This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Romans chapter 5 verse 17 is uh, the point that we began. And we want to start there again this morning. Paul is uh, writing some wonderful, wonderful truths to the Romans and the Holy Ghost saw fit to save the letter for us. Thank God he did. To tell us who we are in Christ, who we used to be, in that we were dead in trespasses and sins, but who we've been made because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And he makes one of the most astonishing statements in all of the Scripture as far as I'm concerned. But it's truth. The challenge is whether or not we will believe it. He said, beginning in uh, verse 17, he said, For if by one man's offense... And the one man he's talking about is Adam. If by one man or Adam's offense, death reigned by one. Now, the death he's talking about is not physical death. Because you remember that after Adam sinned, well, in the Garden of Eden, God uh, commanded him uh, not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Well, he didn't die spiritually. He didn't die physically that day. He didn't die for another 930 years after. uh, It was 930 years after he first ate of the tree and disobeyed God that he died. So physical death is not what he's talking about. But what happened that day was he died spiritually. He became separated and estranged from God. So the death he's talking about is spiritual death. So it says, for if by one man, Adam's offense, death reigned by one. Much more. <laughs> I love this. Much more. Now, I made, I think I made mention of this before, but if I didn't, it bears, if I did, it bears repetition. If I didn't, let me say it now. Um, this phrase much more is used several times in the Greek. Paul is primarily the one that uses it. And, uh, and it, it's, it doesn't really convey the true meaning in the English because we just say, well, if something's good, then how much better is this? And that's not what it means. In the Greek, it means that these things are too far removed, so far removed from one another that they shouldn't even be compared. It's like saying that a a guppy is alive and a man is alive. Well, those are two different forms of life. If a guppy is alive, much more man is alive. They shouldn't even be compared. You can't even compare those two forms of life. Well, that's what he's saying here. He's saying if it was absolutely true that by Adam's sin, death reigned, spiritual death reigned upon all mankind, even those who did not sin personally, but though ever person, every human being who was represented in Adam sinned in him too. Much more, without comparison, much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now notice he says there's the comparison that really shouldn't even be made, but brings the point out is it's absolutely true that spiritual death reigned because of Adam's sin. But it's even more true, so much more that it's not even in the same category, that those that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. And what does he mean, reign in life? Well, what did we lose in spiritual death? You remember there was a curse that came upon mankind. There was a curse that came upon the earth. We know that the Bible tells us that man was redeemed from the curse of the law. That curse of the law is three things, spiritual death, sickness, and poverty. But we also know there was a curse that came upon the earth. 
There was a curse that came upon the earth in that God said that to, to Adam, from now on, the earth is going to bring forth thorns and thistles. Well, I wonder what it brought forth before that. He said, you're going to have to work the, the ground with your hands. I wonder how he did it before then. And he said, only thorn, he said, thorns and thistles will be the things that the earth will bring forth. Well, apparently that's a new concept. Apparently there's no such thing as thorns and thistles prior to the fall. Folks, I don't know this to be true of a certainty, but I'm inclined to believe that Adam farmed by words rather than by hand. That's how God made everything. What's God going to say? Now, Adam, I made all this stuff by speaking it into existence, but you're going to have to work it? I guess that's possible. But it's not exactly likely. Where would be the point where Adam said, well, why didn't you do it that way? You can see the point, I believe. And as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong. It just shows the difference in the earth from... Before the fall and after the fall. Certainly there was a difference. There was a curse that came upon the earth. He told Adam, by the sweat of your brow, the earth will bring forth and produce for you from this point forward. Must not have been the sweat of his brow that produced before. These are all characteristics. These are all byproducts of spiritual death. These are all byproducts of being separated from God. Folks, You know, it's so easy on this side to look at the mistakes that other people are making on the other side. People that see their lives being destroyed, it's so easy to see why they're being destroyed. Yet they're in confusion. They're thinking, I don't know why all this stuff is happening to me. Maybe God's against me. No, God's not against you. You're separated from him. Which indicates the closer in fellowship you get with God, the more things will work the way they're intended to work. Which means spiritual life. Reigning in life has something to do with fellowship with God. Amen. Much more that they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. In other words, shall overcome every characteristic of spiritual death. Shall counteract, shall overcome, shall be victorious over every characteristic. Of spiritual death. It doesn't say spiritual death is removed from the earth. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice if we could say, I'm a Christian, so spiritual death is gone from the earth. That'd be great. That's not the way it works. But it does say you can reign over the curse of the earth and the curse of the law. They which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. Now, grace is a word, we've talked about this so many times. Grace is a word that probably, in my opinion, is the hardest word to define in all of Scripture. And I think one of the reasons for that is everybody keeps coming up with different definitions. The most widely known definition is unmerited favor. I don't like that definition because when I hear that, the first thing I hear is unmerited. I believe grace, in its ultimate form, comes down to the finished work of Jesus. Because everything God has done in his favor, forget deserving or not, forget whether you merit it or not. Everything that God has done for us, he's done in Jesus. And how he did those great and wonderful things in Jesus is through Jesus' sacrifice, which means it's a finished work. So let's use that definition for this purpose. 
those that receive the finished work of Christ. But notice he says it's abundant. That tells us, and I think that's instructive because it tells us it's not just forgiveness of sins, which so many people think the finished work of Jesus is all about. It's not just the forgiveness of sins. Because if it's just the forgiveness of sins, what about the curse that's on the earth? What about overcoming the other characteristics of spiritual death? Reigning in life would not just, could not just be just having to, having been forgiven of sins. Could it? I mean, if Jesus, if uh, Paul had been inspired by the Holy Ghost to say much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall be forgiven of their sins. Okay, well, we could accept that then as the common thought. But he didn't. He said reign in life. That means, that has to mean to overcome all the characteristics of spiritual death. Sickness, poverty, lack in every manner. Separation from God, certainly. The whole thing. They which receive the finished work, the abundant finished work of Jesus. And the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Now, folks, let me talk to you about this for a minute. Oh, and let me make this statement before I go any further. That word receive means to take hold of or to act on. Certainly, without dispute... You can take hold of part of the finished work of Jesus without taking hold of the rest of it. We see a lot of Christians doing that nowadays. We see a lot of Christians taking hold of the finished work of Jesus where forgiveness of sins is concerned, but then they leave the characteristics, the the victory over the characteristics of spiritual death that we've talked about previously. They leave all those things out. They leave the healing that was a part of the finished work of Jesus out and don't take hold of that. They don't walk in that. They leave out Jesus' price that he paid for our, our uh, poverty, well-being in every area. Isaiah 53, 5 says it this way, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. That word peace is translated well, it's translated a number of things. It means well-being in every area. It's the Hebrew word shalom, but it's translated prosperity in many places. So he's saying the punishment of our prosperity was upon him. In other words, he took lack The characteristic of spiritual death that causes us to be in lack in any area. Jesus took that upon himself just as much as he took upon our sins. So it says, they that which receive, take hold of, act on the finished work of Jesus. And the the gift of righteousness shall reign in life as one. Let me ask you a question, folks. Uh, We we talked about this, uh, I think last week we talked about from uh, Ephesians chapter 1, that God predestines you to be holy and without blame before him. In other words, God's original plan before he ever thought about making the earth, before he ever created the universe, his original plan was to have children who would be holy and without blame. Now, if Jesus didn't accomplish that, then he didn't get the job done. If Jesus did not accomplish making you holy and without blame before God, then there's no way Jesus could be sitting down at his right hand because he wouldn't be finished. He had to have accomplished God's pre-planned idea, his pre-planned purpose, his pre-planned goal. And the Bible's real clear on that. Maybe we ought to look over there, back to Ephesians chapter 1. Maybe we ought to look over there to remind you. The Bible says God's original purpose, before he ever made man, before the foundations of the world, 
Let's start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Past tense. He has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, by one man's work, Jesus, you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. That means you have already received everything that you will ever need in potential. Maybe not yet in reality, but in potential, you have everything you need to overcome spiritual death and the characteristics of spiritual death. Verse 2, verse 4, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, chosen us in him doesn't mean he chose certain ones and left other ones out. It means he chose man. He chose man in him. Here's what God, this was God's original plan, his original purpose. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us. Predestined means to be, to have preplanned or preordained. He predestined you unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now, stop and think about what that means. That means he did not expect that everybody was going to live like Adam. He knew before he ever made man that Adam would be in the earth, that Adam would fall, that Jesus would redeem us, and that we would be adopted in Christ. He did not say adopted in, in Adam. So God knew the plan. He knew what was going to happen. He knew from the beginning and still put Adam in the middle of the Garden of Eden to mess up. He didn't make him mess up. He didn't cause him to mess up. That was Adam's choice. He did that on his own. But God knew ahead of time what was going to happen. So he had predestined us to be adopted unto children in Christ Jesus. We look at this and think, oh, man, Adam messed up the plan. Well, he messed up. But God knew ahead of time what he was going to do. It's kind of like you giving your kids something and knowing what they're going to do with it. Even if it's something that's destructive. You ever given your kids a baseball bat and just known the flower vase is toast? (laughs) Well, what happens? They start swinging the bat in the house, hit the flower vase, and it goes, and you think, I knew it was going to happen. Well, did you make them do it? No. You just knew ahead of time it was going to happen. Right? We have experiences like that a lot of times with our kids. God predestined us to be adopted into children, or the adoption of children was God's predestined plan, by Jesus Christ to himself according to the pleasure of his goodwill. Notice again in verse 4 what God originally planned before the foundation of the world was that you would be holy and without blame before him in love. Folks, that means if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, it's impossible for you to not be holy and without blame before God. Yeah, but, but I don't feel that way. Well, I don't always feel that way either. But it doesn't change the truth. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. He said to pray that the will of God would be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Now, we're talking about healing, so let's ask the question, what's the will of God concerning healing in heaven? Is there any sickness in heaven? Then Jesus is saying that they, the disciples, should pray that the will of God in every area, including healing and sickness, should be done here on the earth just like it is in heaven. 
That would mean, therefore, for the people of God that they be free from sickness because that's exactly the way it's going to be when we get to heaven. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Let me ask you a question. God makes Adam, puts him in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve together. Gives Adam a wife. Knew he needed help, so he gave him a wife. Puts him in the Garden of Eden. Adam knows nothing except the things of God. How did Adam develop his faith? Were those walks with God in the cool of the day, in the afternoon? Were those teaching sessions or were those classroom sessions? Was God teaching Adam so that Adam could build his faith? Was God showing Adam, here's how you can trust me? Trusting God may certainly have been the byproduct of that. But folks, Adam didn't have to put any effort into building his faith at all. He knew nothing else. What about Jesus? Jesus was born of a virgin. Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Jesus was conceived and born into the earth. At age 12, we see him in the temple asking the the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders, the high priests and the group in the temple. We see him asking them questions that they can't answer and answering them their questions in such a way that they were amazed. He didn't have their training. He didn't have their education. How did he learn to know about God? Did Jesus ever have a problem believing God? How did he develop his faith? Spiritual death was already in the world. He knew nothing else. Folks, here's the point that I want to try to get across to you. When you start taking hold of the finished work of Jesus, the abundant finished work of Jesus, and the gift of righteousness, the fact that you have been made righteous in Christ Jesus, you start taking hold of that, and it changes everything about how you grow in him. It changes everything about how you approach the things of God. Because once you take hold of those things, you don't know anything else. You may have other experiences. There may be other experiences in your past, and you may be, you may see characteristics or results of spiritual death having come into the world because of Adam's sin. You may even see the results of spiritual death because of mistakes you've made in your own past. But it's past. So when you start taking your place in Christ, when you accept your place in Christ, what that really means, or at least what it's really supposed to mean, is that you don't know anything else. How hard is it to believe God when you don't know anything else? It's the easiest thing in the world. We've all seen people, whether in business or sometimes in ministry, where sons take their, try to, to take their parents' place. Their father's place in business or try to become the, uh, you start working in the company to, to become the, the CEO or take the company over or, or something like that, the ministry or whatever. And so often it's, it's painful to watch. Because instead of accepting who they are and being themselves and working toward whatever goal there is to take over the, the, the group or the ministry or whatever, 
They're trying to force something to happen. They try to impose their position on other people. I see folks doing that spiritually. You know, it's a characteristic of teenagers. I'm learning a lot about teenagers. It's a characteristic, it seems to be, of teenagers. And I remember this of myself. And I, I, I have nothing to complain about or, or criticize my kids about because everything, I see everything they're doing is something that I did for myself. There's such a, a, a searching process in your teenage years. And I know I did this and I see my kids doing this. They're searching for control in their own lives. Because they know the goal is for them to control their lives, but they've lived all their lives being under their parents' controls, and now they're in this transition place. What do I control? What's really mine? What can I do? What And so forth. Well, I see people doing that spiritually. Uh, let's look at Jesus. Jesus is in the boat. He says to the disciples, let's go to the other side. They get halfway across. And a great storm of wind arises. The Bible says that the, that the, the boat, the water starts coming into the boat and finally Peter wakes him up and, uh, and says, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Uh, you know, it, it, you want to wake somebody up if you're going to die. It's important that they're awake for that, I guess. <laughs> so Jesus gets up and he stands in the bow of the ship and he says, now, wind, I'm the son of God. I have authority here on the earth. Now, now you listen to me. You, you're going to have to do what I tell you to do. I want you to stop this right now. Come on now, stop. <laughs> Is that anything close to the story? No. He stood in the bow of the ship and he said, peace, be still. He didn't try to prove who he was. He didn't start declaring all kinds of things. I'm the child of God. I've been given authority. I'm anointed of the Holy Ghost. I was born of a virgin. Well, everybody knows that stops the wind, you know. But yet I see people doing the same teenage-type stuff spiritually. They're trying to fight something in the flesh to get spiritual results. I see them doing this with sickness. Sickness, I rebuke you. Well, that'll get it. If you scrunch your face up just right, sickness goes away. I see people doing this, trying to take authority over the devil. Satan, I cast you into hell. I command you to go back to hell where you came from. Folks, the devil didn't come from hell. And he doesn't go back and forth. And if you could send him to hell, we'd be done with this once and for all. There'd be no problem. And it all seems to be some kind of attempt to make some physical show to get a spiritual result. And you can't do that. It never works. It never works. I see people doing the same thing in, in natural sense, in a natural sense where business is concerned. You ever had a bully for a boss? That's a real blessing, isn't it? Because here's somebody that has a position of authority and instead of just using their authority for the good of and the welfare of the, the company or to uh, meet the company's goals or whatever it is, 
and to benefit everybody else in the process, they try to force things to happen. And it never works well. It never works well. Now, there are times when bosses have to look somebody in the eye and say, you do remember who signs your check, don't you? I mean, there are times where you have to exercise authority, but you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to, the boss, the guy that knows he's really the boss, he's the least likely person or the least, uh, it's the person who is, it's least necessary for him to be the bully because he really is in charge. I've found that most bullies are insecure about whatever position they have or are trying to have. And that's where the bullying comes from. And I see a lot of people trying to be spiritual bullies. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, we're just mean and mad at the devil. Well, how's that going to help anybody? You know, it would seem like if that was the way to work this thing out, if that was the, if that's what really brought results, it would seem like in uh, in Mark chapter four or Matthew chapter four, when the devil came and tempted Jesus, and Jesus is talking to him face to face, Jesus would have just punched him out, and that would have been the end of the story. But Jesus answered him very simply with the word. Why? Because he knew who he was. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. In other words, you don't have any place here. All I know is the word, and I'm going to stick with that. All I know are the things of God, and I'm going to stick with that. I'm not going to lose my place because I know who I am. The Bible talks about we which have believed do enter into rest. There's a place of accepting who we are in Christ that carries a lot more weight than some kind of physical energy expressed to try to deal with the devil or the results of spiritual death. Jesus walked through the crowd that tried to kill him. What's he doing? Is he doing kung fu moves? Circling around, make sure nobody gets him. No. Jesus just said, I've done many good things among you. Which one are you stoning me for? Or which one do you want to kill me for? He said, none of those, but because you make yourself to be the son of God. Well, that's no big deal. God called you gods in the Old Testament. If he called you gods just because you were given the word that was delivered by angels, shouldn't it be much more true for those that he sanctified? Like me? He didn't create a fight. He knew who he was. He just walked through the middle of them. What did they do? Watched him go. They got their rocks. He watched him go. Folks, there's a place of authority that doesn't strive. I think we are so conscious and accustomed to physical things producing physical results that it takes them getting used to spiritual things creating physical results. The Bible says that when Jesus was raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of the Father, you were raised with him and you were seated with him in heavenly places. Our place in Christ is the same as he has now. That's a place of authority. That's what the right hand of God means. It's a place of authority. It's a place of privilege. It's a place of victory. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. You're looking at the problems in your body or the problems in your finances. What do you see? So many people are waiting for God to do something on their behalf. And they've got the life of God in them all the time. How much more abundant does the life of God that caused you to be born again have to be for your situation to change? Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.